I have your your permission to record you. Yes, yes so hello and <laughs> welcome to Objects and Apparitions, so, uh, the Art of hello. Being, Elizabeth Bishop. Today I'm speaking to another one of my Elizabeths, Grognier. Uh, tell me if I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> it's it's Grognier. Grognier. So. But I like I I I do like Gronier. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> right. Got it. So one of my Elizabeth Gronier. So hello and welcome to Objects oh. and Apparitions: The Art of Being, Elizabeth Bishop. Today I'm speaking with Paula M. Kimper, who is the composer of our four song settings of Bishop's poetry. Hello, Paula. Hello, Laura. <laughs> Aloha. Aloha from Hawaii. <laughs> I'm trying not to be jealous. I'll, I'll, I'll hold it's going it back. to be uh, put out as a podcast. So, hello. <laughs> How wonderful to hear you surmise the process of this wonderful piece. I must admit, I keep, I, I keep calling it one art. Um, Maybe that's what that, that frees us in a way of feeling. Well, I, I'm already on the outside. I might as well not try to fit in. I might as well just do what I want. Exactly. Get on with it. Just, just, yep. you know, right. Try new things and, and break that's new ground. Something. Yeah, just do it yeah. because I'm never going to fit in. So I, why, why bother? You know, then that's. No, if you don't great. do it, they'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Um, I can't remember what my other question was now. What was it about? Um, uh, you know, I, I think there's more of a pity in my mind uh, anyway, when a woman who is clearly as creative and also, I mean, let's face it, Clara Schumann in her lifetime was the bigger star. Yeah. You know, she was the prodigy from, you know, whatever age traveling around Europe and, uh, and I think, um, you know, there's a kind of we have to I think this is something that we haven't we've we've kind of slightly addressed it in feminism, but we really haven't dug into it because it might force us to look uncomfortably at some things. Um, you know, I think we have to really examine and question uh, the amount that women have been brainwashed into uh putting everyone else's needs before theirs yeah. and i think in another a way and um for me i'll tell you from my point of view it was i was really getting bored at the sound of my own voice <laughs> which will make you laugh if you listen to the if, you know when you listen to the, the podcast episodes because there's a lot of me talking anyway but um when it's a monodrama when it is a one woman show, it is just you talking and talking and singing and, and, and on and on and on. And I just felt like I, I love the story. I love what you and I came up with in our collaboration, but I was, I wanted to hear someone else do it. <laughs> Here's several. That's, that's so interesting. That's your perspective as a, as an opera singer with uh, your, Oh, 
yeah, so I am going to attempt to uh, my my first composition by mixing all of the different performers reciting the poem because you said to me or wrote to me the way you perform it in the show when you read that poem it has a music all its own and I thought okay that's wonderful what can I do with that and so the idea is to have our voices sort of morphing in and out of each other and using you know I'm I'm gonna see if I can master garage band (laughs) we're back back to the habit being in a band aren't we so (laughs) but and and try to make that natural rhythm poetry music of people reading the poem but our voices blending with each other in it wonderful very interesting how certain lines everyone does in the same rhythm and other lines people make different choices so it'll be just just hopefully i will make it all um, mm. That's coming up in episode three, and we have episode one. More credence to you know. I guess I like. I'm a huge fan of um, of Laurence Olivier, mm-hmm. and he was a huge inspiration for me in going to Bristol Old Vic and and being an actor and being a performer. And I remember the conversation, uh, you know, that apparently he had with Dustin Hoffman. Uh, where Hoffman was getting all in his head about, you know, uh, uh, Marathon Man and all of this sort of thing. And, you know, uh, Laurence Olivier turns around and says, try acting, dear boy. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that's basically, uh, you know, um, very much in Bristol Old Vic, uh, you know, where I went to, which was founded by him. It was all about speaking, speak the text, speak the text. Don't, you know, so... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm kind of, yeah, the outsider thing, but also, you know, we, as I say, we're human beings that need to connect to other human beings. And I think artists actually, uh, you know, everyone's different as well. And for Bishop, her preferred uh, way of being may have been to be on her own. But, you know, Funnily enough, she was ill as a child, and uh, that's often I, when you read the uh, biography of Richard Harris, who also was ill as a child with TB. Um, you know, those people who've gone through a profound experience as a child mm. probably cope a lot better with their own company um, than most because they, you know, back in the day, you know, if you were in a TB ward or whatever. Um, you know, you wouldn't have had much choice over that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and she certainly paid the price um, in terms of her alcoholism and broken relationships and and that that inability to feel safe connecting to others is probably, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's to, to use some dime store psychology, but, you know, just having having lost both parents so young, yeah, it's natural that it was difficult for her to to find that kind of real trust in, in relationships and that she would drown her sorrows in the way. That yeah, she did. absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and I think, you know, it's a different it was a different era, wasn't it? I mean, you know, nowadays, uh, if that happened to her as a child and especially with her mom's mental health problems as well, uh, you know, she would have gotten counselling and support and all of that um, uh, behind it, uh, behind her, supporting her. But 
you know, that's a kind of it's it, there's also a danger in that sort of isolation as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a choice, but it's kind of a subconscious choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people really haven't in that era questioned as much of how our inner world affects our outer world. And I think we're, I think even now we don't really question that as much. I think, uh, I think that we're maybe coming into a period of uh, true, truly being enlightened to, uh, you know, that there is much more to us as human beings. Uh, I mean, Shakespeare knew this. Uh, you know, um, um, for many men in his time, it may play many parts. It's from, sorry, I'm paraphrasing horribly, but it's uh, from uh, Jakey's speech in As You Like It. Um, and, and uh, you know, we, we all do play uh, different parts to different people and we, we need help with reconciling mm-hmm. uh, those different parts of us as well. You know, it's not, it's not easy being a human being. It's it's rewarding a lot of the time, some of the time, maybe not. But, you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's challenging, uh, I think, fusing those parts uh, that society expects from us um, with maybe what our own um, our own soul that travels around in this meat suit and you know, this lifetime of your reincarnation, uh, you know, it's it's often a hard reconciliation, mm. um, I think. I want it to be, in, I suppose that's why I keep, I keep the tag of cabaret in there because the setup is differently, uh, different. Often people are on uh, little tables uh, and um, the main thing, of course, is that you are uh, up close even with even with the proscenium if you're on a stage and you know if you, you you're generally wanting people to get closer to you because you're having it's more than the monologue isn't it that's probably yeah you are having a chat to these people because it would be a bit like inviting people around to your place and you put them in another room over there and you're over here <laughs> you know um, so George, how are you doing? You know, yeah, yeah, well, that's not quite the intimacy that yeah. you so get them a bit closer. Yeah, I'll be over here. You, you I'll put the food on the yeah, that's right. And, <laughs> on the table over there. You go serve yourselves and go. Let's, let's have a good time, but I'm going to be way over here. We can send each other notes back and forth. <laughs> but this is what it's all about, and you've just yeah. described it, haven't you? Uh, cabaret or these smaller, small scale intimate venues uh leave leave the audience when the audience leaves that they feel like they've shared something with you yeah and i know there are bigger shows that can do it but i i'm pretty sure that the real connection usually happens down in the stalls and it probably only only reaches roquet maybe n i don't know (laughs) but you know really (laughs) connected because you can see their faces and you do all that I don't know if you feel that same connection when you're right up there in the, in the upper circle. If we're clever about it, if we're savvy about it, if we're open-minded enough about it, uh, we can we can have it all. You know, we can have all the stuff that goes online and that, you know, you sitting in London can reach someone in 
I don't know, Timbuktu, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, who who randomly clicks on a link of, I don't know, they want to look up women poets for whatever reason. And yeah. they, they go down that rabbit hole of, you know, YouTube or Spotify or whatever. And they come upon you uh, and Elizabeth Bishop, uh, who are thousands of miles away from them. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think we've just in the opera industry, uh, you know, we've got to start being I think people are, but I think we can be even more um, we can be even more uh, ambitious in terms of the reach that our industry has. In many ways, our industry, our industry is a niche art form. Oh, because yeah. it's it's being kept so not everyone can get to an opera house. I mean, I really I I, I understand because I've done opera in education, uh, as you have as well, uh, Laurie, with Pavilion Opera with the late Freddie Stockdale. And I think one of the wonderful things that Freddie had kind of, you know, uh, he had kind of twigged uh, for whatever reason was uh, how to bring opera into schools. And, uh, you know, the whole thing of it being, you know, a start to finish opera production, uh, ending with the singers having to issue autographs and talk uh, to the young kids, you know, who were only nine, ten, uh, you know, and, and the amount of times because uh, I, I did three seasons with Pavilion and the amount of times that, you know, not just kids would come up to me, but also teachers would come up to me and say, this was the oh, first opera that I've ever seen. I can I can read little notes that I've written about you know, how I feel 30, 40 years ago with those doubts. Do I fit in? Do I really belong? Mm. Yeah. And and yeah, wow. And and as long as that doesn't stop you from creating, it's all right. But there are times I think it does stop you because you think. Who cares that I think this? Who cares? Oh, will, and that horrible thing, will people like it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, now we know, smack on hand, you know. <laughs> oh, no, do not do this ever, ever. Yeah. Will they like it? Yeah. And that's different from saying, is this entertaining? Yeah. Different. Because yeah. there are there are certain rules. Talking about a cereal. You know what I mean? Like a serial of a story. Yeah. It, it's a serialized, yeah. like a radio drama. There you go. Cabaret opera radio drama. Yeah. Cabaret <laughs> opera radio drama. <laughs> Trips off the tongue. Serialized. 